The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. It's Monday. You know what that means. It's time for another edition of Wildcat Insider. I'm Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. Oh, we'll certainly talk the Cats. We'll talk bubble. We'll get a little K-State women's basketball in there and preview what's going to take place this week as the Cats, yes, they gave one up to Oklahoma State, but if you ask the bracketology experts, the Cats, they don't slide as far as you might think which even was a little surprising to me. Tells you kind of uh, feels like the, the quad two games are a little bit bigger than the quad one. And basically everything the rest of the way is quad one for the Cats. And I'm talking losses, really. The quad two losses hurt a little bit more, of course. Again, welcome into Wildcat Insider. Mitch Wyatt and uh, Big Steve is here with us today. He's across the glass. It's going to be Sage the rest of the week. I'm actually, uh, I won't be here the whole week because leaving Thursday for baseball, heading out to Bakersfield for three games with CSU Bakersfield and the one against the Titans of Fullerton. Yeah. So it's going to be a fun little road trip out to uh, the Los Angeles area. Bakersfield's north of Los Angeles. I've never been to Bakersfield, but then you have Fullerton that's a little south of L.A. You'll like them. You'll like both places. I've actually I've been yeah. to Fullerton once. Oh, have you? Okay. Uh, that was for soccer. Yeah. Didn't get to see a whole lot of the campus. Just remember a hot day. I was going to go run stairs, and I realized that stairs are about the size of uh, what's out there Wichita State, they're at Cessna. I was like, nah, this isn't going to happen. Those are, <laughs> I don't want to run 200 steps, so I decided not to. But hot out there, uh, but hopefully uh, K-State baseball will do a little bit better out there than what happened in Arlington, Texas. But first, Wyatt, we do want to kick off here with some K-State men's basketball. A one-in-one week. They get the home win over West Virginia, 78-73, and then lose to the Pokes in overtime. Back-to-back overtime games for K-State on the road, but this one a loss to Oklahoma State, 82-79, and I do want to start uh, with that West Virginia game, and I, I, I don't like being this guy, but still, for some reason, it still sticks out to me just how many whistles we had in that game, but K-State was able to maybe take advantage of the way the officials were calling the game and go into the free throw line 39 times. In a game, you're also down 10 points in the second half. Sure. On top of that, West Virginia shot 24. So this was a game that lasted some two hours and 22 minutes. That's too long. I'm just being honest. That's too long for a college basketball game. Good thing it tipped at 6 o'clock. Well, sure. (laughs) But we're getting sleepy. Now, the good news is on that front is that K-State in this game, down 10, uh, 7 at half, 10 early in the second half, really did a nice job of defending in the last 15 minutes of the game. And then, of course, you know, making 31 of those 39 free throws and also having four players in double figures. And I felt like after watching that game and then hearing Bruce Weber's comments, he felt like Marquise Noel's had some really nice games at K-State. This might have been, if you look at his line, one of his best overall games in the West Virginia game. He had 21 points, made 7 of 11 shots, had 2 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, no turnovers, plus 10 on the plus-minus. 
that's pretty efficient. That's pretty good for a 21-point ballgame. We've mentioned it on the show multiple times, Wyatt, about how Marquise Noel has been a major compliment to Nigel Pack. When those two are, are leading this team, like they can hit some shots, and when they are clicking, the whole team is clicking, and it, it, they're, the team is best when they are both on the floor. Mm-hmm. But you make, mentioned his line and why his game was so big. I would say it was so big – because Nigel Pack wasn't having his best game. 13 points and 4 of 15 from the field. I mean, let's point this out as well. Nigel Pack against Oklahoma State was 4 of 16. So a couple of games there where he doesn't shoot his best. But Marquise Noel helping out there with his 21 points, and Nigel Pack was still doing some really great things with passing the ball, and he was he was battling down there and getting some rebounds. I think that is a really interesting and good point because – Here's what I think we can say and be safe about it with Nigel Pack. He knows how to play the game. He plays with good pace, okay? No matter what the scenario, about 98% of the time, he's going to be a double-figure scorer, anywhere between 10 and you know 20 probably, on, on average, let's say. But again, I think this game – is exactly what you said. He did not shoot the ball very well, but if you look at the line, he had six rebounds, he had five assists, and only one turnover in the ball game. And that's he always gives you a couple of two or three things offensively, plus the defense. Heck, I think he had a couple of uh, blocks uh, most recently in a game too. He's five yeah. eight. Oh yeah, that yeah yeah the block against uh, West Virginia in the yeah. second half. Yeah. yeah, that was a that was a highlight. So the I, only one I, of the game again. I think Marquise should get a lot of credit for you know. I mean, it's obvious that Nigel has taken a major major step from last year in in his all around game. But I think Marquise deserves some credit too for you know the breaking down of defenses off the bounce and you know. This is a, a three-point shooting team that, that really has improved from, from last year to this year, and that's a big part of Nigel, no doubt about it. Now, there was a huge swing in this West Virginia game. K-State did not play its best defensively in the first half against the Mountaineers, allowing 42 points. Yep. West Virginia was also shooting 44% from the floor. And so the Mountaineers were able to build a lead. They got to 10 points in the second half, but that's when things started to really crack down for the Cats. They were forcing some turnovers, forcing some shots, or forcing low percentage shots, and K-State goes on a run of 18-2. to Very crucial because it was with 16-12 to go when K-State was down 10. And then that 18-2 run starts. Cats did not allow a field goal from West Virginia in 9 minutes and 50 seconds. During that stretch, they got a couple of points at the free throw line. That was a huge stretch because K State was unable to take a lead of, I think at one point it was seven points. That's correct. Is when they had their their biggest lead. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, from that perspective, it was a strange game. Normally, when you talk K State basketball, at least in the Bruce Weber era, you start with defense and you think, you know, if you hold an opponent somewhere around 60 to 65 points, you've got a pretty good chance. You don't feel quite as good about that, giving up 42 to a West Virginia team who, in all honesty, had had a lot of trouble scoring the ball and shooting the basketball. Taz Sherman played pretty well in this game. He had 23 and was 7-15. of 15. 
but K-State did a really nice job, in my, in my personal opinion, of covering up Sean McNeil. I mean, he only took six shots, and he doesn't force much, so that's part of it too. I get that. But I, I think when the game was in the balance and K-State had to do whatever they had to do to crawl back into the game, it started with defense. Yeah, and in that game, K-State from two-point range was 37%, mm-hmm. 10 of 27. From three, they were 9 of 24 for 37.5%. So just barely did they shoot better from three, but they only made one more two than three. But that transitions now into what I want to talk about with the Oklahoma State game. Things a little bit different for the Cats. K-State in the OSU game, they shoot 31.5% from two that was 12 of 38 meanwhile the 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 Cowboys 59 percent from inside the arc you mentioned usually we think of these Bruce Weber teams as good defensively it feels well against Oklahoma State it really wasn't going well on either side meanwhile the Cats still stay in the game from three-point shooting and uh, you can also argue as well getting to the free throw line 20 times but man they had so many offensive rebounds in this game did K-State with 16 and they weren't getting those second-chance points. Well, that's it. And I think, really, to be honest, if you look and listen, meaning if you heard what, what the coaches were talking about in our pregame show as an example, the thing that concerned them in the game here and the game there in Stillwater was OSU's athleticism, length, and depth. I'll give you an example of how I think K-State got hurt inside. First and foremost, we know that K-State has not gotten nearly enough or what's needed lately out of the four and five positions for the most part. I think you could say Ish has been pretty good uh, some of the time, probably half of the time. Everybody else, it's it's been a little bit of a struggle. And I I even got to give Casey a little bit of a credit in, in his effort on Saturday after not playing for two games, he bounced back. But let's look at the other side because you are playing another team, and they should get some credit when they're doing things right, at least from my perspective. Tyreek Smith, Musa Cisse. Together, they go three of four. You can probably live with that. What you probably can't live with is Caleb Boone going for 11 points and going four for four, and all of that was in the paint. All of it. So being outscored by eight in the paint, from my perspective, is kind of the game. I mean, it was a, a one-possession game again and in overtime. So K-State was not good from two, good from three. Their inside defense wasn't very good in this particular game from my perspective. And then I guess the obvious part, too, is, and this has been you know an issue <laughs> all season long, K-State has had some troubles getting into the paint and finishing you know, at times, and, and that certainly was the case uh, in this game against OSU, no doubt about that. And it's not just um, it's not just the bigs. You know, the guards that want right. to drive in and try to score. You know, some of the bunnies that you would think you know, they may be a little bit contested, but they get the ball to the window, and it's you know maybe bouncing off the window too hard, or it's just not hitting the rim right. They're just so close to making these shots, but then it started to add up and add up, and K State just cannot find a way to finish in the paint. Or at the rim, or you know what they would call a layup in the game. Yeah, it wasn't good for K State. However, in the um, if I remember correctly, Oklahoma State was actually worse from the field when it comes to the layup numbers. They were just a little bit worse uh, percentage wise than K State was. But after it's all said and done, Oklahoma State was fifty nine percent from two. Yeah, and I would add this because I think this is also paramount. 
Kansas State, through their deficiencies at the four and the five spot here lately, okay, we've established that, right? They had 16 offensive rebounds. Yeah. But only had seven second-chance points. There you go, missing those shorter shots. And when the four and the five guys aren't the ones scoring in the paint, and you have a 5-7 point guard and a 5-8-2 guard and a 6-3-3 man, it makes it tough finishing, tougher finishing in the paint, too. And K-State was really relying on the three-point shot. They took 32 yeah. in the game. Um, and they made 13, which tied a season high. And that's shooting 41% from three. I mean, that's a good clip. Sure. Um, K-State is the best three-point shooting team in the Big 12 in conference play, and that's at 35%. Now, it does, however, turn out that K-State is now 0-3 this season when they shoot at least 30 times from three-point range. The other two losses was at West Virginia when they had seven players or something like that. Right. And then the Ole Miss game where offensively everything was, was, going, was going wrong. Yeah. But the, the Cats were hitting him. I mean, Mike McGurl hit two huge threes to stay in it in overtime. But Oklahoma State, give them credit, they were hitting some insanely tough shots. Yeah, we've talked here for, for quite a while about some of the things that happened. But at the end of the day, I think it's as simple as this. Oklahoma State, you got to give them some credit because being at home helped and this is a team that is at the bottom of the league in three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. But when they had to have big baskets, they got them in the overtime session on Saturday. I think they had four, either three or four threes in the overtime period, including the game winner from Avery Anderson with 3.8 to go. Yeah, uh, Oklahoma State 4-5 yeah. from three in overtime. Think yeah. about that. Four well, out of five for a team that's 20, I can't even remember what they were, Twenty, roughly 30% from three. Well, and I know – you know, K-State fans, you know, I was kind of looking at the Twitter uh, as the game was going on. Do a little live tweeting here and there, but sure. I don't keep – I'm not, you know, consistent in that. I just kind of get bored of it. I just want to focus on the game. <laughs> if I look too much at Twitter, I can't focus on the game, guys. There you go. Um, but um, there was at times Bryce Thompson was wide open from three. And we know weak side defense, K-State likes to maybe stay a little bit more closer to the paint to help out with D. Sure. But with that swing and pass, go, yeah, and when the swing pass goes over to that open wing and it's, you know, Bryce Thompson, who's red hot in this game, he hits four threes in the game. He's four of seven and nine of 17 from the field, and he's just hitting these open threes. That drives you crazy, especially when it's Bryce Thompson for me because he had a high game against K State here in Manhattan with 22 points. He scores 23 in this game, and he only averages 10 points a game, and he's not a good three point shooter. But he is a good player. Here's what I will say. Here, you want if you're really wanting to know what the one that got to me was Woody Newton having nine. He has done almost zero. Yeah, honk your horn if you've heard of this kid. <laughs> now again, he was three out of four. He made two of three threes. He was pretty good. It helps again being at home. But that was a real. I mean, if you want a, a gut punch, I would say he and and Caleb Boone were the gut punches. That's just my opinion. It felt like there for a while, K-State's formula to pick up these wins, come down, come back from down double digits, which right. they were close, but it wasn't double digits, but they did come back a number of times, uh, but also get four guys in double figures. Um, they had four, uh, with almost Casey Eziegu getting there to make it five, and I'll give credit to Casey. You know, we know how 
uh, Marquise Noel likes to pass the basketball when he drives. It's the wraparound, and all of a sudden you got this brown-looking boulder flying at you. And Casey, who can have butterfingers, his hands were good. His hands were good. I'll give him that. Fouling a little bit too much, but you at least got something out of the five. Um, so I, you know, I'll take it. Casey with 15 minutes, nine points, four rebounds. You take that every time. Yeah. You certainly take that every time. What's a little bit harder is 22 minutes and 23 seconds from your starting five man, and you get two points and one rebound. That's just not – it's just not enough. Let's be honest. It's just what it is. But yet, it didn't hurt K-State as much as you would think. Joel Lenardi still has the cats knocking on that door trying to get invited to the party later on this uh, later uh, next month we still have a little ways to go before we get to March Madness maybe uh, pick up a win or two in Kansas City that would certainly help we will get to a little uh, bubble watch a little bracketology coming up in the next hour but when we come back I thought Bruce Weber had a lot of interesting things to, t- to say about uh, the field or the bubble or bracketology and you know some thoughts about the KU game as well that's up next with the best of Bruce on Wildcat Insider We return to Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner with Wyatt Thompson. Big Steve is across the glass today. Earlier today, the media got to speak with uh, head coach of the men's basketball team, Bruce Weber. There's a big matchup tomorrow at Kansas, but also he shared some thoughts on where currently K-State sits in the bubble and also the uh, scrum that took place yesterday with Juwan Howard and, uh, oh gosh, help me out, Wyatt. Greg Gard. Thank you, Greg Gard, yeah. Yeah. Uh, head coach of Wisconsin, and the two, not only them two, but also the two teams, uh, getting into a little bit of a scuffle yesterday in what was also a uh, bubble matchup for NCAA men's basketball. But first, uh, Bruce, speaking to the media about the game tomorrow. When you look at this matchup again, after playing them once, is it more important to defend them and keep the score low or to score with them and try to win a shootout? I think if you look at their games at home, Oklahoma uh, was able to keep it close and and pretty much keep a low-scoring game. Iowa State, when I say low-scoring, I'm talking the 60s, not the 70s. And, you know, we had the special half against them at home. You know, Nigel was magical. And, you know, so you got the 50, but then you only got 25 in the second half. And if we're going to have a chance, it's probably got to be in the 60s and and hope we're we're making shots and taking care of the ball. You know, I think the biggest thing is keeping them out of transition. When they get their transition, easy hoops, plus, you know, they got really talented players. You know, when they combine those, you know, now it's it's really tough to stop and they get on a roll and, and uh, you know, probably you're in, you're in trouble. Is this another game where you think Casey can help you? Well, you know, with McCormick, uh, they've done it. I think they're going to him more. He's had some ups and downs during the season, but we thought the last time when we played them, they were starting to really try to go to him and, you know, Coach Lauer uses the term force feed him and, and, you know, to get him some confidence and get him going. 
Obviously, he offensive rebounds unbelievable. Uh, it's what eighteen percent or something. He's one of the best in the country of getting re- offensive rebounds. You know, he heard you know what he had eight against us last time. So it's it's unbelievable. I, it's uh, it's beyond what I don't know if I've ever seen anyone get eight in a game. You know, you're going to have to use those big guys. You're going to have to use all of them. Hope we don't have you know too much foul trouble. Obviously, the uh, we got Davion fouled out last time, and uh, you know we put them to the line, and we didn't get to the line. So it's uh, you know that's a factor also always. And uh, I, I regret not asking this on Saturday, but what was the ref's explanation on the the Mark Smith technical in Stillwater? Was he just talking a little too much, or what? What was the deal? There? I I'll be honest, I'm frustrated with it. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna address it today. With I, I don't understand it to be honest because he did you know he made a emotional response. Uh, I don't think he got in anyone's face. He yells, he yells after all his layups. I mean, he's been doing it all year. You know, do I agree with it? I know, but it's, it's all around the country. I was watching two games last night and I could pick out six, seven plays in those games where somebody yelled because they were showing emotion. They see it on TV. I, I don't know. And when you have a close game like that, obviously it becomes a major factor. And, you know, he just said, I, we can't, we can't have that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, behavior in the game. And I, I, I understand it somewhat, but I, I don't know because, uh, you know, obviously it's a, it's a close game. It's overtime game. Every, every point, every free throw counts, you know, our, you know, we gotta, we gotta show uh, control and be smart, but at the same time, you know, they are young men and they're having fun. And, you know, if you're taunting, please give them a tee. I'm, I'm fine with it. You stand over somebody, you clap in their face, you push them, whatever it might be. Those I don't, uh, but if you're yelling with emotion because you scored a layup, I, I don't, I don't know. It's just, obviously we had it in the Baylor game too. And I think it, from what I was told, it caused a lot of that, na- even national question mark about some of those things. But um, we, if they're going to call, if my only thing would be give him a warning, hold your hand up. Hey, bud, I can't take, take this and give him a warning. Now he does it again. Then, uh, you know, now at least it happens. But when you say you're going to address it, <clears throat> do you mean with the conference or what? It, I'm just going to ask the uh, head of officials today. I, I've been thinking about okay. it all. Just, uh, you know, because I, I'm wondering about it, to be honest. I, I just because, it uh, you know, we all we talked about it as a staff Saturday night. We talked about it yesterday. And I, I usually don't do much with calling in and stuff because I don't know if it does any good other. But this time I'm just I, I just wonder about it because now it's been twice in games. And this time, obviously, it's a close game and it affects us. Hey, Coach, are you happy with the rebounding as of late? And uh, what do you attribute it to if you are? You know, the crazy thing is, what did we get? It was either 16 or 18. I can't remember the offensive rebounds. But they they only had eight, and they got more second-chance points. So, you know, I thought, you know, we had had, obviously, early in the year, we missed a lot of layups. We had trouble with layups. Uh, we didn't finish all the time. And, you know, this time, you know, we, we get a bunch of uh, second chance points or second chance opportunities that we just don't finish them, you know, so that, you know, we, we've made some strides. Uh, we, we gotten better. Obviously we got a, a tough test because they just, that, you know, that was the difference in the game. Obviously they just punked us on the glass last time and points in the paint points, free throws and, and the, the second chance points were the biggest things. They had 40 points in the paint and 19 second chance points. So it's a uh, big, big stats.
And then, uh, you know, you, you shot the lights out from three and struggled near the rim. I'm curious what you think about uh, utilizing the mid-range game more. I know you really enjoyed, enjoyed that during the 2019 championship season. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit old school, and I, I kind of argue with the young assistants even. And, you know, I watch the N, even the NBA. You talk about Chris Paul and Booker and the, the playoffs, Middleton, the, the NBA championships. And I'll, like, I'll joke and text our, our group. Like, oh, another mid-range. You know, I, I I like that part of the game. I, I think it's important. I think when you play good defenses, it's it's a valuable tool. Uh, obviously, Chris Paul has made a living off of a, a mid-range for, you know, one of story NBA careers for a, for a point guard. It's it's amazing. And, you know, it, it would be nice. But sometimes it's the defenses, how they play and what they give you. And, and they were switching a lot and forcing us to go one-on-one and, and and make us make plays and but we did if you you know if you look at the stats we only shot 31 from from two point range and 40 something from three point you know we just didn't finish uh you know we had we had a couple of easy ones the one Mike missed in the transition and Nigel's got an easy putback and Davion actually fouled him you know it's just a crazy you know circum sometimes things happen that way I guess but uh we do need to finish around the rim when we get those opportunities I know you need to get there first but I mean what do you with the backcourt that you have do you feel pretty confident um if you were to get to the NCAA tournament with with the backcourt you know I I really think we're one of the I think we belong in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, we've had our we've lost close games. You know that's our fault. Uh, some of it, you know, it's it's been injury. Some of it's been COVID. We've had our issues. Last week, we were the third best schedule rating in the country on the on the net. We played a tough schedule. I, I think we're a good enough team, but we got to get there, as you said. And uh, I keep telling our guys, if we can find a way to get there, I really believe we can have success because of the because of we played close games. We have good guard play. You know, obviously it's matchups. All you know, that's a big factor. But you know, but we got to get there, and that means we got to finish strong, find a way to get some wins here down the stretch. I would also add it. it you know, with our league, I, I just. Our league is, you know, the net rating, if the net means anything, you know, when they start talking about only five or maybe six teams, it just baffles me because uh, we've had such good success. And and it would be a shame if, if we'd only get that many teams in there because of how good our league is because we just beat each other up. I, I just uh, – and we play everyone round robin. I look at the Big Ten and I have friends still and I'm like I'm talking on the phone this morning with a couple – you know, they don't play everybody twice. They don't, they may not play the best teams. They play them at home, but not the other one. It's just, you know, I, I just, I hope that uh, our the committee, I hope our league does a good job pushing, whether it's us or some of the other guys. But, uh, you know, I, I can't believe we would get not get seven teams at least. A Big Ten coach told me last week, he said, God, you guys could have all 10. I said, no, Oklahoma State can't go. So he said, well, then you should have all nine. So, <laughs> you know, that, but. You know, I, I, you know, we'll see what happens. We're always got to, you know, obviously I'm worried about us and we got to finish strong. Was that Tom Izzo? <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, Coach, I wanted to get your take on what transpired in the Michigan-Wisconsin game yesterday or afterwards. Obviously, uh, you know, for our game, it's it's disappointing. It's not good for anybody, for, you know, for Michigan, for Wisconsin, for the coaches, for the for our college game, uh, it's uh, I feel bad for everyone involved uh, and, and for our game. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, we have a good game. I, I you know, it, I think it'll show you, it shows you, though, the stress that it is for all us coaches and 
for the players, for everyone involved. I mean, we put so much time in and we care. The kids, our kids care so much. You know, you're fighting your your tails off to win, to try to get in the tournament, you know, to compete. And that and the coaches, you put in all that time and it, it, you hope you can control your emotions. But, you know, it's it's hard. It's hard. It's a stressful time of the year for everybody. But, it, you know, at the same time, I it's it's not good, obviously, for our college game. I just want to ask just about playing in, in Allen. I mean, obviously, one of the harder places out there. Is there anything you've picked up over the years about, you know, what, what you guys do well to be in the game there versus, versus otherwise? Funny you ask that because Curtis Kelly, late last night, I was in here uh, in the office and, uh, you know, Curtis was just, he's help, he's got helping with the scout and he just asked me, is there something coach the games that you guys have been in there? And, you know, I, I really think you, you have to be able to score the basketball and, and it's a, it's a fine line. You have to have discipline, but you also have to play fearless. If you start getting tight, you know, and let them, they, the crowd gets going, they, they'll get steals, deflections, they'll get transition, they'll get lob dunks, then it gets louder. And now you have to be disciplined, but fearless, I, I think. And you got to have somebody just, you know, be able to make plays and score uh, to keep it in the game. I, I think if you can, there's always like a point in the first half and a point in the second half that you've got to fight through those two and to give yourself a chance. Obviously, we've been there a few times at the end and we just never, the plays haven't gone our way. We haven't made the shot, whatever it might have happened. So, but, you know, I I hope good, God, you guys brought up good, Grant brought up good guard play. Uh, I hope that's a factor uh, in the game and, and, you know, we can we can play with good poise and pace and, and get good shots and we have nothing to lose. I mean, but if you can't go with a free Greenness, uh, you have to, it, you still got to have discipline because they're really good and you have to stay in front of them. Uh, you got to keep them out of transition. You got to take care of the ball. Pick sixes are important. There you have it. The best of Bruce here on Wildcat Insider. Now coming up in hour number two, you're going to hear a clip from earlier today, a press conference with Bill Self, the uh, K-State media. We got an invite to get on that Zoom meeting with Bill Self earlier today. And he was asked the question about how do you feel right now about K-State being on the bubble. And a nice little compliment for the Cats. You'll hear that in hour two at 510 is when I'll play that audio. But coming up next, uh, K-State baseball opened up the season this past weekend in Arlington, Texas. That's up next. Five three seven thirteen fifty is the number of the call if you want to call into Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. We will get back and do uh, some men's basketball later on in the show. Uh, we are expecting to talk as well with Gene Taylor, K-State Athletic Director. That's at 520. We haven't talked to him in about a month. He's been a really busy guy, especially a couple of weeks ago. But we are expecting to have Gene Taylor on today in the second hour. Now, I did see a picture of Gene Taylor at the K-State baseball game uh, yesterday, that was the game against um, Auburn, and yes. that did not go well at all for the Cats. As a matter of fact, I mean, just put it out there like it is, it was a rough weekend for the Cats with a record of 0-3. But they took on some tough opponents. You have uh, Arizona, right out of the gate, the number 10 team in the country. They're in the College World Series last year. You lose that game by two runs, and you really started to make a comeback in the later innings, especially with that five-run eighth inning. Michigan, they end up running away with a 10-2 with a 7-run 7th inning. 
And the Cats now then 0-2. And then in the Auburn matchup at Globe Life Field, the Cats lose 12-1. to And that was thanks to uh, a five-run fifth inning for Auburn. So all three opponents had a big inning at some point. I, I, I will say a positive I do take away from it. First of all, I mean the bats. You're going to have a lot of young guys in. There's a ton of transfers in for K-State. Uh, just, what, three returning starters from a year ago. Um, but I, I, I will say, I, th- I was pretty impressed with Orlando Salinas. He's a transfer from Oklahoma State, which he's one I was really hoping would pan out because he can he can play a lot of positions in the infield. He actually took over for first base, Terrence Berlin, as a pinch hitter in the first game, and then he would go on to really start the rest of the weekend with a little bit of shortstop in there. But he had a couple of RBI hits. Uh, one of them was a two-RBI hit. Um, so that's already eclipsed to what he did in his first year at Oklahoma State, and that's right out of the gate for the Cats. So that's a plus. Uh, but other than that, I you know, I don't know if I would take away a whole lot of that weekend. Again, team that's learning to play together, first weekend against terrific competition opponents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think that's the thing you have to, to tip your cap, is, is that you go to a very prestigious tournament, that's going to look pretty good, even with the three losses. Uh, when you look at strength of schedule down the line, um, they, I think, for the most part, would tell you that the starting pitching was was okay. Uh, probably not quite as good with the bullpen, and then they did kick it around a little bit yesterday, a little bit too much. So if you can clean that up, interesting too, because they get home and they're here for a couple of days. And as you know, I mean, you're going. <laughs> yeah, they're going out to California. Now, I think you're not quite staying as long as they are. They're out there for a couple of weeks, as I understand it. I'll be out there for the first week. Yeah, so four so, games, yeah. and then uh, I think it's actually Matt. Matt will be heading out That's for the correct. next three. Yeah. So, Gee, imagine him doing that, huh? Hey, I'm usually the one that does <laughs> the, the long road trips. Right. For, actually, John Especially and I, early. Kurtz and I used to split uh-huh. up the first couple of weeks. Right, right. And so I would go on the first road trip, and you'd go on the second or vice versa. But um, – Seem to be the one that goes out to the California matchups, which I'm fine with that. And it's going to be against uh, CSU Bakersfield for the first three and then against Fullerton in the fourth game. Uh, Bakersfield's one and two. Um, and uh, so a little bit of a rough weekend, too, the first time out. But that's another quality opponent for sure. And then Fullerton, uh, you know, that can be a, a, a tough opponent as well. So uh, I, I will mention, I want to throw it out there as well. Another positive, I was really happy with Connor McCullough. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his first game out there against Michigan, he goes five innings. He does not allow uh, does not allow a run, five strikeouts, five hits. Really, not too bad. He's no, going to be a starting pitcher. He's going to be probably the Saturday guy. And then it, it, it seems like for now the new Friday guy is going to be Blake Adams. He's going to be taking over for Jordan Wicks, of course. And he went six innings against the tenth ranked team in the country in Arizona, and he gives up four earned. But he didn't allow a walk, and he struck out eight. See, now to me, first time out of the gate, that's a pretty decent line that's against great. a team that's ranked in the top ten and was in the College World Series a year ago. So, yeah. even though you're disappointed that oh, there are you know they're coming back zero and three, there are just enough flickers there that that gives you some hope that things will get going here as they get going, if you will. Now, I, I do want to mention as well, by the way, I, I will throw it out there as well, the next K-State game will be Friday, 8 o'clock, um, and that'll be here on K-Man. Um, Manhattan High Basketball will be playing that day. Um, that will be a join-in-progress for K-State baseball. So they'll start online, but it'll be a join-in-progress. So just keep that in mind. There will be a, it shouldn't be any interruptions 
for the rest of the weekend for K-State baseball uh, here on K-Man. Meanwhile, uh, the K-State women's basketball team, I did want to put them in there as well, uh, is because they got a win uh, yesterday against Oklahoma State, 56-38, a very low-scoring game. K-State held the Cowgirls to six points in the first half, which I'll be honest with you, Oklahoma State did not shoot the ball well. They were 20%. They missed a lot of bunnies, but so did K-State. It felt like it it feels like it's been a while since Aokali has really been in a groove. Sure. Like, um, I mean, in this game. Double-double. Yeah, double-double for sure, but I do need to pull up the numbers here. I forgot to do that. But um, she did finish from the field 7 of 15. And she was 17 points, 13 rebounds, and three of those points coming from the free throw line. But it just her flow maybe just not as solid as it, as it once was. Uh, Three-point shooting has been down. Uh, also, um, Serena Sundell hasn't been really in a groove. Really, in the last five games, she has struggled from the field. And kind of the same issue as the men against Oklahoma State, missing layups. That was an issue on Sunday as well, missing the, the close-range shots. It, it was an odd game, no doubt about that. And it was one where, I mean, I can't remember the last time a game at this level where somebody had single-digit points at halftime. It just doesn't happen. So that was a struggle for sure. But let's see. I think that's their 18th win, if I'm not mistaken. 18 and 8. They yeah. are 8 and 6 yeah. in the Big 12. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and I think they're right now with a little bit of the season to go. You're going to probably look online or whatever at, at kind of postseason. You're going to see them in that. Seven eight yep. range in terms of a seed, so they've dropped a little bit, but still some season to go. Big game at home Wednesday night. Boy, I tell you what, Texas is in town. Six thirty yeah. tip off, and how about this? Uh, the last home game for K State women yesterday fifty four hundred. That actually, uh, if I remember correctly, was a better attendance than the men against West Virginia. Now you may argue that's a weekend game compared to a midweek game, but the women out. Drawing the men, in a way, is uh, something we haven't seen in many years. Sure. So, uh, actually, I, that's really just a hats off to Jeff Mitty, if anything, that they're now drawing some pretty solid crowds there for women's basketball, thanks to, of course, you know, the 61-point game from Aoka Lee is certainly a help as well. <laughs> yeah, it got, got people's attention for sure, and she's been basically, you know, an All-American type of player. I think you said uh, maybe 17 double-doubles or something like that this year. Is that right? I'm not exactly sure the total number, but it's quite a few. Yeah, I think it was, I mean, and, and we're talking about Mark Smith having eight and how amazing that is, which it is. But but uh, what she's doing is just crazy good. I do want to mention as well, Aoka Lee was honored at the end of the game yesterday with the 1,500-point commemorative basketball. Yeah. But she actually hit 15 points, uh, 1,500 points against Texas Tech. So that was the home game prior. Now the K-State women just need to figure out how to win on the road. Uh, but four games left in the regular season. Right now, K-State women are projected to be a um, a six seed in the Big 12 tournament at eight and six. So that, in a way, tells you how competitive. I do believe, actually, the Big 12 in the women's side have four teams in the top 20 in uh, the top 25 AP poll. Meanwhile, the K-State men are projected right now as a five seed because they are fifth place in the Big 12 standings, even though they lost to Oklahoma State, and they are six and eight. In the Big 12. So what that kind of tells me, it's a little top-heavy there in the Big 12 and the top four. Well, really, feels like more like the top three. Uh, and you'll throw Texas in there as well. But um, it's going to get interesting. Now, hopefully, the way things stand right now, you feel pretty good that both, fingers crossed, the K-State men and women, despite a complete collapse, should avoid day one 
of the Big 12 tournament, but there's still a, a couple of weeks to go. Um, but uh, the K-State women holding Oklahoma State to 38 points. Cowgirls, they are the worst team in the Big 12. They're 8-15, and 15, but you'll take a, a solid performance like that. But the Cats need to figure out some things offensively. Shot just 34% in that game. Yoki, I was off one. She has okay. six, 16 double-doubles. Okay. Yeah, I would imagine she's going to be the all-time leader at some point in double-doubles, maybe sometime in points, rebounds, a whole lot of stats. I've been watching the points. She's Truly getting amazing. close to passing um, Tammy Romstadt for points, and she'll move into 11th place most likely in the in the next game. And that's Romstadt, the, the, the old jersey's up in the rafters oh, for that yeah, one. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, we'll take our uh, we'll take our hour time out as we are uh, coming up in hour number two as we've reached the uh, top of the hour here. Uh, Going to hear from uh, Case Athletic Director Gene Taylor here in a few moments, but also when we come back, cats on the bubble, and when the world is with that technical foul against Mark Smith, I don't get it. <laughs> 